Well, good morning, everybody. Now, today, as Tim said, we're ending our series called Belong. And as we do that, I'm going to start over here by this table. And I'm going to ask this question. How many runners do we have in our group today? How many people like to put on your sneakers and go out and hit the trails and and sweat it up and maybe run a 5K, a half marathon, or even a marathon? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Nobody's going to hurt you. Just hold up your hand, okay? There's like three of you here today. Um, I'm not one of those people that likes to go out and run, but 11 years ago, a friend of mine challenged me to run a marathon. And he was a runner, and you would have thought he would have challenged me to run a 5K before I run a marathon, but he said, hey, man, I'm going to challenge you to run a marathon. I'm like, you are out of your mind. But he kept asking, and then I did feel like God whispered to me one day, there's a lot about the Christian life that I can teach you, Trent, if you will train for and run a marathon. And imagine God having that conversation with you when you don't like to run. I'm like, no thanks, God. But eventually, I decided to do that, began for me what was a four-month process of going from couch to marathon, like, wow, like that was a whole lot of work, but began that process of working in in that direction of doing that. And then race day came, and and there was just some excitement in the air. There was this buzz of energy with all these people, and we're going to do what together? Like, this is crazy. And there was all kinds of different people running the race, and that was one of the things that stood out to me. Everybody's running their own race. There were different reasons for running, um, but it was neat to see all of that. And then the race began and we started running. And if you don't know how long a marathon is, it's 26.2 miles. It's like running from here to Daytona. If you want to do that this afternoon, give it a shot and let us know how it goes next week. So it's a long trek. And I had this strategy uh, with running that I did a little research on it. And I came up with this strategy. If you're a real runner, you'll tell me I'm not a real runner. And I'll agree with you. I'm not a real runner. So it's, it's all right. So my strategy was to run a mile and walk a minute. Run a mile, walk a minute. So every mile I accomplished, I would walk a minute, kind of let my body resettle and then restart again. And on the journey, I shifted to doing that around the water station. So uh, periodically throughout the race, and I'm not sure if it was every mile, but towards the end, it got a little bit uh, more frequent. There were these water stations there, cups of water, volunteers that were handing out water to racers coming by. And I found that I love to see the water station in the distance. I saw it. It gave me a little bit more motivation, a little bit more excitement. Okay, I think I can get there. And I would work my way to get to that water station. And that was the spot I'd pick up water and I would slow down. I'd walk for a minute, drink my water, and then regain the race. Now, as I was walking away from many of those water stations, I felt conflicted. The confliction in my heart was I was a little jealous of the team of people that worked at the water station. They weren't sweating. They weren't tired. They weren't in pain. Uh, They were smiling, high-fiving each other, having a great time. And I thought, man, like, why can't I be on the water team? Why am I running in this race? And I was tempted to take off my race number and secretly joined the water team. Nobody would know. I could high five people and celebrate them as they went along. But here's the the purpose of the water station in a race like that. It's not so racers will quit the race and join the water team. The purpose of the table is so that racers will get rehydrated and keep running in the race. Aren't you glad I clarified that for you this morning? (laughs) All right, so here's the context for us as Christ followers. There are too many Christians 
who have determined that life is better around their nice Christian water stations instead of being out in the race that God has called us to be in. Instead of reaching people far from Christ. There are too many people that have determined that. And there's nothing wrong with church. There's nothing wrong with small groups. There's nothing wrong with our Christian friends that that we like to circle around. But there are moments where sometimes I think we as Christ followers think, you know what? It's more fun to just hang at the water station than it is to get out there and be in the race that God has called us to be in. And that is to reach more people for Christ. And when you read throughout scripture, you find this concept, it's what I call the go concept, that God gives to many people throughout scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we find this go concept. So listen to to what some of what God has given as this go command to different people throughout scripture. So God told Abraham and Sarah to leave their family, their home, the only life they'd ever known, and go to the land that he would show them. And God told Moses to go back to Egypt to free the the Israelites from years of slavery. And I think Moses said, God, it didn't go well for me in Egypt. I was already there. And God said, go back because I've heard the cries of my people and I want you to be a part of freeing them. And then God told Joshua to go in and conquer the promised land that God promised Abraham to give to his descendants. And then Moses was leading them there as well. And Joshua got to lead them into that land. God told Samuel to go and anoint David as the next king of Israel when King Saul turned away from God. And then sadly, God had to tell Nathan to go and confront David when David had a moment of turning away from God. God told Jonah to go to the Ninevites and tell them how they could have a relationship with God. God told Esther to go to the king, the Persian king, and help to keep the Israelites from being executed. Then God told Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem and help rebuild its walls. God told Joseph and Mary to go to Egypt to escape King Herod, who wanted to kill baby Jesus. And then God told them to go to Nazareth, and that was, became their, kind of their home territory as they started their lives together. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus follows that go command in Matthew 28. And he tells us as his followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a command that's given to you by Jesus himself. And he says, go into all the world and make new disciples. So all throughout the Bible, God has a command to leave the comfortable and to go out and reach more people for him. Now, That's part of what it means to belong to God's family. That's what we've been talking about in this series, belonging. And when somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they are adopted into God's family. And then as new members of that family, we have certain responsibilities to each other and to other people in our community as well as God himself. And so we've been talking about those responsibilities. One responsibility that we have is to accept each other and then to love each other and then to serve each other, and then to give to each other. Last week, we talked about celebrating God and celebrating each other and what God is doing in our lives. And today, we're talking about that final responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus to go after other people who aren't yet in God's family. And last week, I told you that as a church, we feel very called by God to go into our community and reach as many people for him as possible. God has not called us to be a church for us four and no more. 
God has not called us to have a whole lot of fun gathering our night, around our nice little Christian water station and not care about the world around us. God has called us to go into our community, local and global, and reach people for him. So today I want to highlight a few ways that we can do that. And the first way that I'm going to highlight is something we've already talked about, but I want to show you this in a personal life story from some church members here. And they're going to tell you their experience of what it was like for them to come into Epic one day when they were searching and what that experience was like for them and what they're doing now. So take a look at this video from Adam and Monique. I'm Adam, and this is my wife, my beautiful wife, Monique. You're so sweet. (laughs) We're the McIntyres for what, 20, 25 years, there was wandering that I'm trying to be a good person thing, and, but no real relationship with Jesus. Just, I just thought um, being a good person would be good enough to treat people well. We'd bounce around to churches. We'd look sometimes pretty seriously. And then we came to Epic. Epic was just enough to get me to go, I'll come back. For me, the real first pivot point was just one sermon on a Sunday. And it just, it, it gave me so much comfort right then and there in my seat. Hearing that sermon was like getting a good meal. Epic kept feeding me, so I kept coming back. <laughs> and then the kids program, that was another really big thing for us. Just to see just how loved they were and how they were learning and to hear them talk about Jesus and then to hear them start singing. We've pivoted from I'll come again to I'm going to keep, I'm coming back and I'm going to look into this deeper. I'm going to check out the small group thing. I'm going to check out this, that, and the other. For me, the biggest change since coming into into Epic would be just really the discipline and getting into the Word. You're reading what's true and you're reading the promises that you're not alone and He's there for you. I know what Epic has done for me as far as filling me up. So I need to I need to give some of that back because if I can help other people like I've been like I've been served, then um, I think that's what it's all about. I love serving. I. I love leading things. I love helping people. Like I just, that's kind of how I'm wired. Seeing how worship really is, like what worship music does, how it opens people's hearts, how it allows them to praise God and that it's about that and being able to be a part of that for others with the gifts that we've been given by God musically. It's awesome when you look into the congregation, seeing that transformation, it's just like, wow, like look what God's doing and he's using us, like this is so cool. I'm learning that everybody has a story. Everybody has something. Sometimes it's so cool because we get to help those people connect and show them where God is in their life. And when you have people that love you for who you are and just, and what you do that are able to help you and guide you, I think that's so important. Like we just, we love the church family aspect. We love the the lives that God is gonna help us to impact as well as the family and the lives of Epic that are gonna impact our family and our children. And that's why we love being all in. You know, I just love their story. I love how they highlighted their experience of coming in here to Epic. So Adam said they came in and then said, I'll come back. 
After that, they said, I'm coming back. And now they're in their spot. They're saying, I'm giving back. I'm going to find a way to give back. And they are doing that. They've put action to their words and they are giving back on a regular basis. And I invite you to join our team in finding a way to give back. So here's what they did. They went from searching to contributing. And you can do that as well. God has wired you uniquely. There are gifts and talents inside of you. And when you don't use them to advance God's kingdom, not only do other people hurt, but you hurt because you're not living out the way that God designed you to live. And so when we come together and learn to serve other people, that helps draw other people into a relationship with him. And here's the really cool thing. If you join one of our serving teams, you get one of our serving shirts for free, for free. Shameless plug it is, I know, but thought I'd throw it out there anyway. So you see our new serving shirts. Uh, They say in the front, for Flagler, and we want to send that message to our community. When they see somebody connected with Epic, we want them to know that God is for them, and so are we. So I encourage you, find a place to serve. You can find out more about that at our Connection Center. Now, another thing that we can do to go after more people for Christ is to add more staff members. This might sound a little bit weird. But church growth experts say that a full-time staff member can serve about 100 people effectively. We have two full-time staff members, and we're servicing right now about 700 people, a little bit over that. I'm not great with math, but that's not one to 100, okay? So we have been understaffed for quite a few years. And we have some amazing part-time volunteers. We have uh, some amazing part-time staff that help us bridge that gap. But the reality is we have been understaffed. And I told you in June that we were going to be bringing on a new staff member that's going to help carry some of the pastoral weight that we carry. And I am so grateful to finally introduce he and his wife to you. So you welcome to our stage, Brian and Karen Baker. So welcome, welcome again, you guys. What's up, Epic? How's everybody today? Good. All right, so this good. is Brian and Karen, and I'm so grateful for you to finally get to meet them. I'm going to start with Karen. So tell us a little bit about you guys, how long you've been married. Tell us about your kids. Tell us about what you are currently doing in okay, your line sure. of work. Um, so we have been married almost 29 years in November. Um, we've been together since he was 13 and I was 14, so that's a really long time. So, yeah, and we have two boys, great boys. They're 23 and 26, so they are gone, and we're empty nesters. They live in South Carolina. They're both employed there. So I hear empty nest is kind of a nice thing, so just tell me a little bit about that. It, 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 <laughs> I've got three kids that are on their way out. One's out, you know. It, it's nice. It's nice. Something okay, to look good, forward good, good. to. Yes. Maybe my kids are in the room. Sorry if you're in the room. That was no, no encouragement for you to leave early. And... um. I personally teach high school. I teach one unit of Global Perspectives with Cambridge Accelerated Program and then five units of Intensive Reading with the lowest level readers. So um, it's a big variety. And then I also coach softball at Crescent City High School. And um, that, that's about it. So Karen has been heavily involved in the lives of students uh, in her career, and she's just pouring back in the lives of students on a regular basis. And so, Karen, we are grateful for for what you do on a a weekly basis, monthly basis, yearly basis. 
So Brian, we're going to shift to you and ask, what have you been doing over the past 15 years, you and Karen? Uh, before, we, before we talk about that, let me brag on my wife, if I can, for just a minute, okay? Um, she's my best friend. Um, we got started early in life. We didn't have a clue what it meant uh, to be in relationship with each other and husband and wife, but uh, we talked about her education a little bit. And I just want to say when God called her to teach about eight years or so ago, Um, She didn't have any formal training other than a high school diploma. In the last seven years, my wife has got her bachelor's degree, and she just finished her master's degree two weeks ago. And uh, I love her, and uh, she's a hard worker, and uh, I'm just so excited about what God's doing in her life. To answer your question, though, um, when God brought us back to Florida in 2001, we grew up in Florida all of our lives. I have people ask me all the time, where are you from because of my accent? Uh, I'm from North Carolina originally, but in 2001, we were able to come back to Florida. We grew up in Florida all my life, and in 2001, God brought us back to Florida. We were working with students at the time. When God called me into ministry, all I ever wanted to do was work with teenagers. Uh, I think that's the greatest gig there is on planet Earth, and uh, that's all I ever wanted to do. Um, But God had other plans. And in 2001, he brought us to the southern end of Putnam County, which is a little community called Crescent City, which is about 35 miles due west of here. If you've ever been to the Catfish Festival, that's our claim to fame. All right. And um, we planted a church. We had 10 people that started in the living room uh, and uh, we planted a church for two groups of people. Uh, one are unchurched people, people who are far from God. And the second group of people are people who are de-churched. For whatever reason, um, life happened and they walked away from church and started finding value in that and coming back to the church. So for the last 15 years, we've had our pastor's hat on. God's been molding us and shaping us and, and leading a group of people over in Putnam County. And uh, God said, it's time to do something different. It's time to go and do something different. So, so get back into that question related to that. So you guys just bought um, a building. You've got, you, you had built a building, bought land, and then acquired a new building. So you've got a lot of great stuff going on over there. Why would you want to leave all that after 15 years of establishing a, a church in your community that is very similar to ours, that, that does church for people who don't do church and serves the community? Why would you want to leave all that to come here? It, it goes back to what, what Jesus said in Matthew 28, what you put on the screen a moment ago. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And that's our job as a local church. Um, and that means getting out of our, our comfort zone. And uh, I've been around the water station for the last few years. I don't mind telling you that. God's been good. It's been an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything in my life. Um, and as much as I love South Putnam Church, as much as I love the community which God planted us in, I love Jesus more. And I just want to be obedient to him. And we want to go where he wants us to go and do what he wants us to do. So this is a new season in our life. And we're excited to step into it. And uh, we really believe the best um, is yet to come. Well, you guys, you are going to benefit so much from getting to know Brian and Karen, having a relationship with them. I've been friends with Brian for the past 10 years. And as I was beginning this journey of launching Epic, I'm looking around for people to give me wisdom and insight, and God connected me with Brian. And so Brian and Karen have led their church. They're a little bit farther ahead than we are. And so I've been asking him, like, hey, how'd you guys handle that? How do you handle that? And some of the stuff that we do here at our church is because of stuff I've learned from them. And so I'm grateful to have them here. They bring a a whole wealth of knowledge and experience to us, and we're going to benefit greatly 
from them being a part of our team. So I'm excited for us, uh, for the future, and what's going to be happening with that. So tell us what you're going to be, be doing. What are you going to be leading here? Well, what's really interesting is that uh, when God called us to come here, it was really important to us who Epic is and what they're really about. And when you talk about the values of Epic Church, uh, they're more than just a page on a website and a sign on the wall. You guys really do uh, behave and act like you say who you are, um, if that makes sense. And, and they're not just stated values, they're lived out values. So there are three values that are really important to me. Number one, we believe people matter. And we believe that everybody's got a story and every story matters to God. So Trent last week talked about um, a new uh, care ministry and a care network to help people where they're at in their journey and their relationship with God, whether they're far from God, whether they're new believers or whether they're um, uh, growing in their faith. We want to help people grow, mature to be more like Jesus. So we'll be involved in helping with that care network. And right now it's kind of a blank canvas. We're trying to figure that out together and uh, had some great conversation after the early service this morning with some folks that are interested in plugging in and connecting with that. Um, you've heard Tim already talk about community groups, which are going on right now. They'll be starting in a couple of weeks. And we believe we're better together than we are by ourselves. And we believe that uh, authentic community matters. Another way to say that is that authentic relationships matter. So we encourage everybody to get connected in a small group of people where you can do life together and learn to be more like Jesus together. And then what really gets me fired up is what we saw in the 3G Sunday video and 3G Saturday. I love to serve just like many of you love to serve. And uh, so we believe that serving other people matters. And uh, so we're just going to kind of jump in. We're going to be a part of the team. Uh, we certainly don't have it all figured out. Uh, we're not ministry gurus or wizards or anything like that. We're on a journey just like you guys are, but we're excited to get to know you. Um, so we'll be hanging out at the, uh, the group's table in the Connection Center um, after church today, and we'd love to meet you, put a name with a face, and uh, let's just go together, and let's just see what God wants to do. All right? So you guys, thanks for being up here again, and would you welcome them again to our church family? All right, one final thing that we're going to talk about today is a way that we can continue to go after people in our community who desperately need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, that final way is for us to establish a permanent home for us as a church. And if you were not here last week, I made a big announcement that we have just signed a contract to purchase a piece of land in the 100 corridor of, uh, of our town. So let me just show you again the picture of where this is at. So give you a little bit of a bearings here. We've got the high school, we've got the airport, we've got the hospital, 95 right there. This is 100. And down Seminole Woods Parkway, just a few lots is this lot. It's lot number four. It's a 16 acre piece of property. 12 of it is buildable, and it's a, in a great location. This is um, expanding here in this part of town, and this is like a major crossroads in our community. It connects Flagler Beach with Bunnell, North Flagler County, South Flagler County. It also is easily accessible from communities outside of our community. So uh, Ormond Beach area, the northern part of Volusia County, uh, St. John's, uh, St. Augustine area, people can get to, to this piece of property uh, relatively quickly. And we, we believe that most people within our community could get to that piece of property within about 20, 25 minutes. 
And we found in our journey of, of church work that um, that's about the distance that most people are willing to drive to get to a location. And we think that location is an amazing location. Now, here's what many of you are wondering. How much is it going to cost? Glad you asked. So the price tag for this piece of property is $650,000. Now here's um, what's probably going on in some people's minds. Some of you are going, wow, that's a lot of money. Some of you are thinking, that's not a lot of money for a piece of property that large in that location. That's how the leadership of our church feels. That this is not a lot of money for that piece of property in that part of town. Let me tell you why we want to be in a central part of town. We don't want people to have to come searching for us. We want people to be able to find us easily. And just like any business is concerned about location, we're concerned about location as well. We want to be a part of the central fabric of our community. We want people to be able to bump into us easily and quickly. We want to be able to tell people, and this piece of property I think can help us do that, is where to find us easily. So if you know where the airport is, you know where the hospital is, you know where Tom Gibbs Chevrolet is, we're right around the corner from all of that. And I was reminded of this and why this is important. This past week when I was um, shopping in town, I was in a parking lot and I got out of my truck. I was going into a store and a guy ran across the parking lot and said, hey, sir, can I tell you about my new business in town? So he held out a flyer and handed it to me and I had a flashback of 10 years ago when me and a team of people were running around in parking lots, handing out flyers, inviting people to a new church that was starting in town. So I took his flyer and I said, tell me about your business. And he started telling me about his business. He was so excited about it. I said, now tell me where it is. And he said, it's down this way. It's around the corner. It's over there. You know where that is? It's not there. It's past that. He said, you know what I'm talking about? I said, no, sir, I don't. Say it again. So he said, it's down this way. It's around the corner. It's over there. It's past those things. It's not there. It's, it's further than that. Do you know where I'm talking about? And my answer was no. I, I didn't know where he was talking about. And I do not want us, the leadership of our church does not want our church to be put in a spot where we got to spend so much money trying to get people to the location that we're not doing the ministry God's called us to do. So we want to be in a spot where we can put a flag in the ground and people can know easily and quickly where we are and that God is for them and so are we. So here's some, some of the other details for you to know. The seller started uh, with their starting asking price of $1.2 million. We started at zero, <laughs> all right? And I'm not kidding with that. We went into our meeting, and we had these nice um, brochures put together to explain who we are and what we're doing as a church. We, I got to the end of my spiel. I had about a 15-minute presentation. And at the end of that, I said, listen, you guys are businessmen. I know that you did not become uh, the businessman that you are by making the decisions like I'm about to ask, but I'm asking you, would you prayerfully consider donating this land to us? And it was that quiet in the room. It was like that. They were looking at me like, what'd you just say? But we felt like that was something God wanted us to ask. They considered it, prayerfully or not, I'm not sure, and came back with their answer of, no, we're that, we don't feel like that's what we're being led to do. So we went into the negotiating process and got to $650,000, which again, we feel like is a great price for a great piece of land in a great location. Here's some really cool stuff. Um, we have $75,000 already, people have already been given towards this. We've announced it last year, so people have already been doing that. One family gave $10,000. Another family gave $50,000, and we've had a whole lot of people giving on a regular basis over this past year. So whether you gave $10,000, $50,000, or $5, all of it matters. All of it goes together. 
to help us reach this goal of having a, a, a future home for ourselves. So here's what I ask of those of you who call this your church home. I ask you to start praying and ask God what he might want you to do, what he might want you to give towards this. Don't worry about what somebody else is giving. Worry about what God might be asking you to give. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. So you figure out what you can cheerfully give. And if God's leading you to do that, then you do that. If you can give over the next few weeks to help with our down payment, that would be great. We have a down payment that's due at the end of our 45-day due diligence period of $125,000. So we've got $125,000 to put down. And at the end of this process, if we don't raise the, the money, the $650,000, we lose that $125,000. Now, the $125,000 comes off of the $650,000 price. So at the, after we make that down payment, then we only have $525,000 to go. Um, so again, we're asking you, if you can give towards that over the next month or so, please do that. If not, you know, some of you may need a little bit more time to get access to some resources that you might be able to give. Again, you do what you sense God is leading you to do. We have until April to close on this property. So that $125,000 uh, down payment was part of what our negotiation was to help us get that six months beyond the due diligence period for us to close. Otherwise, we would have had to close at the end of the due diligence period with the total amount. And we were not prepared to do that. So uh, we truly are grateful to God for giving us that about seven and a half months to do this. And we believe if we team together, that we'll be able to see God help us reach this goal. Now, let me explain some things that many people don't understand about church world. Many people don't understand how church finances work. But here's how they work. Everything we do is supported financially by those connected with our church family, those who give. We are not connected with a large denomination who, who gives us money. Uh, we don't get any money from Rome, if that's a system that you understand. Uh, everything that we do as a church family happens because of the generosity of people within our church family. And I think that's part of God's plan as you read scripture. God's plan for funding the ministries that he's given to local churches involves two things, tithes and offerings. Now, tithing is the spiritual discipline of giving 10% of our income back to God through a local church. And then offerings is the spiritual discipline of giving above and beyond that as we feel led by God to give towards a specific thing. And I truly believe if every Christ follower would tithe and give special offerings, every church would be able to do exactly what God has called them to do. So if you currently give, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for doing that. Like you make it possible for us to reach people in our community. You've made it possible for over 600 people to put their faith and trust in Jesus over the past 10 years. You've made it possible for us to go on international mission trips and let people in Guatemala and Ukraine know that God has not forgotten about them. You make it possible for us to have a children's and student ministry that helps children and students establish a faith of their own. And you make it possible when we go into our community that our community is beginning to understand that God is for them. God is not against them. So thank you for giving. When you give, you make it possible for us to hire more staff members who can help shoulder more of the weight of us reaching into our community in a bigger way. So thanks for doing that. If you aren't 
giving yet. If you're a Christ follower and you haven't decided to, to give yet, that's not a regular part of what you do, I invite you to take that challenge. God actually says in Malachi chapter three that he'll open the windows of heaven for us and bless our lives to the point that we can't contain all of it if we'll just trust him with our finances. And specifically, he talks about trusting him with tithing. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So if you haven't done that yet, I encourage you to take our tithe challenge. And here's our tithe challenge. Start giving 10% of your income back to God through this local church over the next three months. And if at the end of those three months, you do not sense that tithing is sustainable for you, let us know and we will give you all of your money back that you gave in that three-month time period. No questions asked. This is not a trick. This is not a gimmick. This is not some fancy way to, to bait you into something. It's not, genuinely. Uh, if, if you try to trust God in this and you feel like it's not sustainable, if you don't see God do something supernatural in your life in three months, we will gladly give you your money back. Now, this is for new time or first time tithers. This is not a Christmas savings plan, like I've said before, okay? So um, also you need to ask for your money back if you get to that spot. Don't ask for somebody else's money back because that might get a little complicated for us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything that you need. The Bible teaches that God can do more with 90% of our income than we can do with 100%. And I gotta tell you, I have seen that to be true in my life and many of you have seen that true in your life. And if you haven't yet, I invite you on the grand journey of experiencing that for yourself. Now, for those of you who give regularly here, Uh, Here's what I ask you not to do. Um, Please don't take the money that you give regularly and then give that to the land fund. That will help the land fund and that will hurt our regular ministries. So again, this is a special offering that we're we're taking up over this next time period, these few months that we have. We're asking you to prayerfully consider what God might want you to do to give above and beyond that. And as you feel led by that, you do that. And we would greatly appreciate that and we will see God help us attain this goal. We'll give you updates over the next few months about where we are on this journey. And uh, I ask that if you give, when you give, just put a land fund on your giving, however you give, and then we'll get that to the right place. Now, as we close today, our worship team is going to come out and they're going to close with a song called Yes, I Will. And what I ask that we do as we're singing this song is that we determine together that we will leave the comfort of our water station, that we'll leave the comfort of our our church family, we'll leave the comfort of our small group environment or our, our Christian circles that we've established, that we will leave the comfort of that and that we will determine to go out into our community and let people know about Jesus and how Jesus can transform their lives. So as we're singing today, like sing in such a way that you're determining yourself, like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do whatever God asks me to do to help more people come into a relationship with him. So let me tell you how you can do that this week. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series. New series is called Alexa. And in this series, we're going to talk about some of the big questions that people are asking Alexa. There's a lot of questions about faith that people are asking the World Wide Web, and they they want answers for for these questions. So here's some of the things that we're going to look at. Next week, we're going to look at what is God like? 
There are a whole lot of people that think that if God exists, he's up there in heaven angry or he's distant or he doesn't care about us. They have the wrong understanding of God. You see some of the other topics that we're going to talk about in this series. So if you know somebody in our community right now who doesn't have an accurate understanding of who God is, invite them to come next week. And we'll talk about that. We'll answer that question for them. So we have a great opportunity to go into our community and start inviting people so they can be transformed by Jesus. Now, if you would, stand with me. We're going to sing together. And then we're going to go out. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for the challenge of Scripture for us to not just establish nice little Christian circles where we just hang with each other and forget about the world around us. I'm grateful for all the go commands that we find throughout Scripture where you tell people to leave the comfort and go and, and even into moments where it's uncomfortable, go, go out and tell people about Jesus with our life and our words. So Lord, this morning, we're reminded of that again, that we have an opportunity to serve. We have an opportunity to reach more people by hiring more staff. We're grateful for Brian and Karen, super excited about the role that they're gonna play in helping us reach more people. And Lord, we have an opportunity now to acquire a piece of land, acquire a piece of land that could be like a lighthouse in a a dark environment where people are looking, people are searching and they don't know where to search. And often the people in our community would never search at a church. They would never look to a church to answer the deep questions they're asking. And yet, God, we want to change that. We don't want to just gather around our nice little water station and just stay there. We want to take the water to them. We want to take the living water. Jesus, you're the living water. You can transform their lives, but we got to take that to people. And land can help us do that. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to raise the necessary funds that we need to acquire this piece of land. And we're excited about what's happening. We're excited about what has happened over the past 10 years and what's going to happen over the next 10 plus years. And today, Lord, we're determining to say, yes, we will. Yes, we'll do whatever you ask us to do to reach more people in our community for you. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen.